are back. This is the Things Christians Want to Know podcast. Hi, Paul. And I'm still Paul. You're still Paul, and mm-hmm. I'm still Nate. Yeah. At least for now. And we are going to just jump right back in. Last week, I told a lot of my story, some of my just general background, but also my, my revival story of how God first started speaking to me about revival, uh, which started back in 1995 and has continued to now, to 2019. And that's 24 years. It's a while. Yeah. It's well over half my life. And mm-hmm. so it's it's probably the defining characteristic of my life. If you wanted to, to narrow it down to one thing, you know, what, what do you do? Mm-hmm. What are you about? Mm-hmm. The answer would be, I am seeking might be the wrong word, but I am contending for revival that's what i do that's my purpose in life and i do other things but if they if those other things stray too far from that purpose i question whether or not i should do it Mm -hmm. let's put it that way um and so i i had gotten that word from the lord that said the date is set which i felt very privileged that he said that to me. Who am I? My, Who yes. am I that God would say, oh, hey, Nate, by the way, we've got it down on the calendar when revival's going to be. I thought you should know. How, uh, cool. how cool that, yeah. like, I felt yeah. very, it's one of those moments where you look up at the stars and you feel real big and <laughs> real small at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I still do, and I think about that, actually, but... Um, yeah, it's it is a wonderful thing. And so I emailed you and I said, Paul, who's talking about revival? You said, we got to meet. Typical Paul, Paul Anderson email <laughs> response. Um, five words would, is a book. Um, we've got to meet is what I got. And so uh, I called you and we, we got together. Like it took a couple of weeks, but we eventually I came over and you didn't tell me anything. Yeah. I know I didn't. And I just showed up in your office and you're like, so you tell me first. So I told you this story or an abbreviated version of it. Okay. So Diane Brask, mm-hmm. who lives up in... Interestingly, Grantsburg. Was Grantsburg, Grantsburg, yes. Up where, where, I, where I was when I had that were, vision. She was in town, and when she comes in town... And, and at this time, I was working now. You know, flash forward to 2015 or whatever it was. Yes. 16. I was pastoring in Grantsburg, Wisconsin when I got this word. That's right. So Grantsburg does play a role here. I don't know how. Yes, indeed. It's the Bethlehem of the story. So she was in town and she would sometimes call Karen and me and uh, come on over. And we all were always delighted to have her come over. She's a world-class missionary and we really uh, love her and honor her for her work in the cause of the king. Mm-hmm. This time, however, I put her off. I was very busy, and I said, I don't think I have time. And she pressed in, and she said, how about just for 30 minutes? And so I figured she's got some reason for wanting to come over. I better say yes, and I'm glad I did. She came over with a young man from Uganda mm-hmm. who was probably three inches taller than me. And, Paul's tall. And uh, less than half my age. <laughs> Paul's also old. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. You know. So 
she introduced him and he talked for about a half hour. He talked about being at a conference, a Methodist conference in Ohio, where they were talking about how we don't need the gifts of the Spirit anymore because that happened in the biblical days, but it doesn't happen today. And he was sitting there smiling because he was going to be the next speaker. And when it was his turn, he got up and spoke, and he spoke about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fact that they were for today. And then he said, uh, I'd like to demonstrate what we're talking about. And he says, you there with the brace on, would you mind coming up here? And I'm thinking to myself, boy, this guy's bold. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have done that at a Methodist conference. He came up and he said, uh, I'd like to pray for you. You okay with that? Sure. So he prayed for him. Then he said, uh, okay, if you take the brace off. And the guy was feeling something enough to say, yeah, I can do that. And he took it off and his neck was better. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the other examples that he gave, but he had a few other examples and completely turned that conference around in its thinking so that they wanted to have him back and they wanted to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, what boldness, mm-hmm. what submission to the Lord. And they talked about revival and understand I not only never prayed for revival, when I say never, I mean never. I never prayed for it, nor did I encourage people to, because I had heard people pray for revival. I remember Wednesday night prayer meeting at church that I, my dad was a pastor, and so I went there once in a while, and it seemed like people were delegating revival to God, but not themselves willing to step into it, but they sure hoped God would do something for this messed up world. And I thought, is that healthy? And then I would substitute for Larry at California Lutheran Bible School when I was living in San Pedro. That was school was in Los Angeles, not too far from Azusa Street, by the way. And they were praying for revival, and their attitudes stunk. Hmm. But they knew that when revival came, it would change the school and these professors and make everybody good in the way that they wanted them to be. And I said, let me suggest something to you. Instead of praying for revival, why don't you be what you're praying for? Whatever you think revival is going to do, why don't you be that? Mm -hmm. I don't know if they listened to me, but uh, that's what I wanted to say. So now he's talking about it. And it's convincing me. And so at the end of about 30 minutes, I said, would you pray for me? And I knelt down and he prayed quietly. It wasn't any flamboyant prayer. It was a quiet prayer. And then they left. She kept her word. It was right around 30 minutes. And that night I went to bed. I woke up. Some, some point in the middle of the night. And all I can say is God had done a number on me. Hmm. And he had convinced me in my heart 
that revival was going to happen, and it was imminent. And just like you said, and I didn't know this, Nate, but you said God called you to be in leadership. That's what I felt, too, Hmm. that I would play a significant Hmm. role in the revival that was imminent. So for a while, then I, I was waking up early and I was praying for revival. I haven't done that as much since, but I am a strong believer that revival is imminent and that I'm to play a part in that. And it was so significant that I went to Gary, my, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Gary. <laughs> my, sh- my mentor when I was in college. Yeah. Iron sharpens iron with me. Yep. He's, he's my brother. And then I went to Larry, who's my mentor at the time. He's in heaven now. And I said, I've got this word, and I don't want to have visions of grandeur, illusions of grandeur. Right, because if you, don't, if you don't know Paul and you hear some guy named Paul Anderson said God spoke to him and he was supposed to be a leader in a revival, that sounds like pride. It sounds like someone trying to drum up support or something like that. Yeah. Whereas if you know Paul, he's one of the most humble people I know, except for myself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but he genuinely is. And so when he says something like that, it it's not because he's trying to sneak something by you. It's because that's what he actually heard. And yeah. that's what he actually felt. Yeah. So... It meant something to me when you told me this story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Gary said, from what you have written down here, from what you have said, Paul, this sounds like it really could be right. Larry said, just hold it, hold it lightly, hold it before the Lord, which is so what I'm, I'm doing that. And since then, that was December 2014. Mm -hmm. And so five and a half years later, and I am still believing strongly, expecting it, imminent, and looking for it any day now, and confident that you and I are going to have an important role to play. I walked out of the house to go over to meet with 10 intercessors that I knew who, whom I met at North Heights, in the day when I was working, had an offices at North Heights when we started MI, the, the Master's Institute and the ARC. So I was close to those people there and met a lot of people from North Heights. And I had bumped into Sue Erickson, who leads that group. And I said, I'd really like to talk to your intercessory group because I'm believing that revival is imminent. And you ladies should know about it because if you're not praying for revival, I think you should be. And so she said, by all means, come. I stepped out of the door, and I stepped down one step, and I heard the Lord say, write a book Hmm. on revival. Mm -hmm. And because I'd been studying it, it made sense, and I Mm -hmm. knew it was the Lord calling me to do that. So we'll be talking about some of the things that I studied during that time in in the next uh, podcast. But I did— then as I began to pray about revival, I wanted to know how to pray. I wanted to know what happened in history, recent history, ancient history, biblical history. And so I have been studying, as you know, and reading, assessing. And that has only 
stirred me up more to believe. Mm-hmm. So I get at that meeting, talk about revival, pray for them, and then they say, well, now we want to pray for you. So they put their hands on me and Karen, and as Cindy McCarthy put her hand on me, she said, I see a book, and the pages are empty. You are supposed to write a book. And I said, I know, and I know it's on revival. <laughs> and I thought, how neat of God, mm-hmm. who had two hours, three hours earlier spoken to me about revival and told me to write a book, and then confirms it with somebody who had no mm-hmm. idea what had happened. That's just God's kindness. It is. And it's very kind because it's hard for us sometimes because you get a word like that, okay? want you to write a book on revival. Well, it's very easy to respond to that. Like, oh, thanks, God. I will do that. But then you start thinking about it. You're like, who am I to write a book on revival? Yeah. Isn't it a little grandiose for me to say, oh, I am going to write the book yes. on revival? I mean, maybe you should just settle down and be who you're called to be right now and not try to be something you're not. These are the, vo- the, these are the things we think Mm-hmm. about after God tells us to do something. And mm-hmm. I think this is true for everybody. Yeah, And that's when you really need to get on your knees and say, okay, God, it w- was I wrong? Did I misinterpret? Did I mishear? And that's why we talk to the Gary's Gilbertsons in our life, our mentors, our peers, our friends. And that's why through the mouth of two or three witnesses, sometimes the word of the Lord is confirmed. And mm-hmm. so he had someone right away that same day yeah. say, no, that was me. And I'm serious. So that when you have those doubts later, those thoughts, or the devil tries to, sometimes I think that's the devil trying to distract us to say, mm-hmm. no, that would be too prideful. Don't do that. Well, no. Obe- obedience is never prideful. Yes. Obedience is not prideful. David wasn't prideful when he said, no, I will become king of Israel. That was obedience. Mm-hmm. He didn't go murder Saul that day. That would have been prideful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. Um so I just think it's wonderful of God to do that because we need it. We need that, that help, that That was very encouraging, very encouraging. So you who are listening to this, as you are thinking about revival, maybe God has put a conviction in your heart. What do you do? How should we respond? Do we say, cool, bring it on? There are two things that we do related to revival. And I'm going to say what they are, and then I'm going to give examples in history of what they are. We talk to God about people, which is when you heard the word, that's what you begin to do. You begin to talk to God about it, and that's exactly what I begin to do. I begin mm-hmm. to pray for revival. That's understandable. We want to cooperate. We want to stand with God. We want to agree with God. He's going to bring it, so we pray. The other thing we do is we talk to people about God. Mm-hmm. And some people are stronger in one or the other. And I want to give a couple examples of people who have strengths in one or the other, just to help you as you are believing for revival, even as you listen to this podcast. So you mentioned the Great Awakening. Uh, Charles Finney preached from 1825 to 1835. And he was a mighty preacher, and revival sprung up where he preached and when he preached. He had a, an intercessor called Daniel Nash. Daniel would often show up 
two weeks early. And he would plow up the soil through prayer, through agonizing prayer, through travail. And it was such travail that at one time he was down in a cellar and a lady who knew Charles Finney but not Daniel Nash said, you better come because there's someone down in the, in the cellar and they are sick, sick. I mean, there's moaning and groaning down there. Charles said, don't worry about it. That's <laughs> Daniel. That's just intercession. Yeah, he's praying. So Daniel would travail and break up the soil. Finney would come and preach, and God would move. Mm -hmm. Combination of those two things working together. Finney so relied on Daniel that when Daniel died at the age of 58, Finney quit revival meetings. He went back to the congregation. Wow. Can you imagine Charles Finney <laughs> as, your as a local church pastor? That's scary. Yeah, it would be. But he knew, in his heart at least, that it wouldn't work without that combination. So here's another example of that. 1949, post-World War II doldrums in the west of Scotland in the Hebrides Islands. And there are two sisters, 84 and 82, Peggy, 84, and blind. Christine, 82, and uh, invalid. So they didn't leave their house much. Mm -hmm. So between these two, did they talk to people about God or did they talk to God about people? I'll tell you what they did. They interceded sometimes most of the day. They, they were prayers, and they prayed so much that God began to speak to them about revival on the islands because they were praying for revival, and God began to speak and said it was coming, but you need more prayer. So they talked to their pastor and said, we need more prayer at our church. And so they started prayer meetings on different days of the week, and uh, they did that for a season. And then God spoke to Peggy and Christine and said, it's coming, it's time. And so they went to their pastor and said, you need to call Duncan Campbell. He needs to come now. So they contacted him. He said no. They contacted him again. He said no. The third time he said yes. They persisted. He came for two weeks, and he stayed for two years. Hmm. God poured out his spirit. I don't know the numbers, but I th think it was in the— hundred thousand conversions uh, well and, and now it's a part of the whole the whole culture of the Scottish Isles I mean mm -hmm. it ch changed the history and the culture forever yeah well and that you, was yeah the story part of that story I know is that it was one of the early meetings uh, when they were praying that the ladies were praying and then there were a bunch of guys like a guy's prayer meeting from the church mm -hmm. they were praying in a barn or something like that so there was multiple prayer things happening of people who at the time did not know each other okay but there's multiple prayer things happening and duncan comes and it's either the first or second night after he starts um preaching that around three or four in the morning all the lights in town go on because the holy spirit woke everybody up on the island 
And people were out in the fields on their knees in the middle of the night, shouting to the heavens, saying, I don't know what's happening. I don't know who you are, but I will follow. Mm. Wow. And people still talk about it there, mm-hmm. you know, because that's like crazy stuff. Yeah. That's I heard John the Baptist. Someone. That's yeah. go out into the desert yeah. and let some crazy man throw you in a river. Okay. Like mm-hmm. revival is it's outside of the norm. What we are talking about here, great awakenings, things like that. These kind of great move of God. This is when things happen that are beyond the norm mm-hmm. and they're not, well, we can talk later about why God does them and what, and what they're supposed to do, but they are, there's a reason there's so many great stories. <laughs> and one reason why I'm telling this is that humanly speaking, when we read the book, I think when you think of the uh, Hebrides Islands revival, you think of Duncan Campbell. Mm-hmm. Heaven records it, I believe, Peggy and Christine. Yep, absolutely. Who prayed perhaps for years, and they were the faithful ones. Mm-hmm. And God said, now. Yep. And I want those of you who are listening, if you are like Peggy or Christine and you're older, Yes. Into retirement. Maybe you're wondering, you know, maybe your grandkids even are starting to get grown and you're wondering what your new purpose is going to be. On. Do you have a purpose? Yeah. Maybe God could just take me to heaven. I, I don't get around well anymore or I don't see or, or whatever the situation is. Or you have someone in your life like that. I want you to tell them this story or give them this podcast or have them look it up because those two women changed a nation. They did. Because instead of giving up on life that had given up on them physically, mm-hmm. I mean, they were shut-ins. All they cared about was church, and they couldn't even go. How yeah. horrible. Yeah. Think about how depressed they must have been. Yeah. But something happened, and God stopped their selfish inclination and said, no, you are here for a purpose. You're here to pray. And they, man, they did that. I don't they, know how many hours a day they were awake. I imagine they slept a lot, uh, given their age. But those hours that they were awake, they spent many of them praying, I guarantee you. I and, shared and this. they were, in, like you said, in the spirit, from heaven's perspective, those two old ladies, one of whom couldn't walk and one of whom couldn't see, were titans, giants. You got it. In the spirit. You got it. That is not a small thing. No, it isn't. No. And Phil and Margaret, you know them. They're mm-hmm. 95 and 94. And from time to time, they wonder, why am I still here? Margaret, a couple years ago, she was saying that when they came back and visited us here, why am I here? And I said, I know why you're here. You're here to pray for us, for our children, our grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. You're to pray for revival. She shot up her hands in the air and began to pray. (laughs) (laughs) And they still do. They they do. Uh, This is my my wife's grandparents that that Paul's talking about, his mother and father-in-law. And they, it's interesting when when people, you know, go into dementia and that, that, phase of life which often happened they forget a lot yeah last time she was here margaret asked me the same thing you know 27 times Mm -hmm. but when we were in the prayer meeting Mm -hmm. it it was different it was it's fluid it it was i would love to have scientists come in and study the phenomenon because it was so interesting she Mm -hmm. she doesn't know what day it is she doesn't know what time it is she doesn't know what she had for dinner she doesn't know a lot of things but when we started 
praying. She was eloquent. She was on point. She responded to other people's prayers with, with insight. She recited whole verses. It happened whereas today. Whereas she couldn't remember my name when I came in the room. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's uh, it was something to see. I prayed for them today. And then Karen said, have them pray for you. Hmm. So they prayed for me. And I will almost always pray for revival. And that perks up Phil because he likes to pray for revival. And then the two of them prayed for me. So... I am grateful. So my word to you, regardless of your age, but especially if you're older and you wonder, what am I doing here? My, we'd like to connect with you because I have a group that prays for me. I go out mm -hmm. and preach on other, among other things about revival and would love to have people praying for me on a regular basis. So I'd like to hear from you if that were the case. And you'd like to be praying for Nate and me and for revival and and do it with us well, we'd be delighted definitely and this it also reminds me of um anna and simeon in the gospel yes indeed people who they they heard that promise of revival that jesus the messiah is coming and they never gave up and they kept praying and kept praying yes. and they saw jesus and presumably died very shortly thereafter but it was so kind of God to let them see what they had prayed for. They had prayed. Who knows? We don't know how things like this work in the spirit. It could be that their fervent prayer is why Jesus was born that year versus another 30 years later. I mean, mm -hmm. we don't know. Yeah. All we know is that God says that we are called to pray. And he says many times in the word things like, this is what I would like to do. Therefore, do not give me any rest until I do it. Mm -hmm. What? Well, if this is what you want to do, God, just do it. No, that's not how the universe works. How the universe works is God says, this is what I want to do. Now you pray and don't stop praying until that happens. And we will give some of the scriptures yeah. in, in uh, succeeding podcasts that will help you to talk to people about God and talk to God about people. And Nate, I would also like to share about the Azusa revival. Mm-hmm about the charismatic renewal in the 60s and about the Jesus People revival. The Jesus People revival happened within miles. The, the epicenter, at least, was uh, within miles of the high school I went to and my, the church that my dad planted. So mm. I've got some personal stories yeah, cool. to tell about that. So let's do that in our, our next couple podcasts. How awesome. about that? Let's do it. All right. See you next week. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday. So tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless.